This is Matt. And this is the Vinyl Crawl, and we are continuing our pub crawl to the next stop, which is the Working Man's Palace. That's right. I kind of like this place. Yeah. Seats are comfortable. The beer is cold. It is cold, yeah. And it it's cold and interesting as well. We are drinking a Dogfish Head uh-huh. Grateful Dead American Beauty IPA from... 2015 is that the 2015 yeah that is the official 50th anniversary grateful dead label and that that. signifies the 50th anniversary of the grateful dead yes being a band yep and it says it is an imperial pale ale brewed with almond honey granola and all-american hops and right off from tasting it it's very interesting And I think the granola is what causes it to be that way. Yeah. Because it almost has like a lager flavor from the granola. It has that sweetness of a lager. Right. Instead of of like so much of the bitter from a normal IPA. Yeah. You kind of get that? that... It is an American double too. Oh, it is. Imperial. But the granola kind of throws a mask over that. Right. Uh, And what's what's the significance of the granola, you think? Well... Uh, the story behind that is that the first time they brewed it, oh, geez, maybe 2013 or around those parts, um, they held a contest for people to write in on what the last ingredient should be. Okay. Now, there's the obvious ingredient that people would probably say for uh, to throw in with the hops, but... Oh, okay. That was not and chosen. What what would that? That would be, you know, like... Um, Anise, maybe? Yeah. Is that, yeah, like that what you were really going for? A natural plant mm. from Mother Earth. Right. Um, but they chose... The winner was granola to mix in with it. So would the significance of the granola be from kind of deadhead lore with... It's, it's, a, it's, a, it's a hippie and, food. Right, yeah. And, I, I can't remember what the story is with how kind of granola came to be as far as like a snack food, but didn't it kind of rise with the whole hippie movement? Because yeah. it was easy to make, easy it's, to carry around. It's healthy. It's all natural and right. fits into the hippie movement. It was a big thing at Woodstock as well. Like granola was a big deal. Right. They were handing out granola yeah. to all the people. <laughs> it <laughs> was might, cheap too. Right. Yeah, yeah. But like you had concert goers that might be going on a bad trip or something. They would give them granola. Some granola. Yeah. <laughs> bring them down because <laughs> nothing brings you down from a bad trip like granola right yeah uh, as long as the granola doesn't try to eat you true looking yeah. at it in your hand or the veggie burrito is <laughs> running after you with the grilled cheese not far behind oh man but yeah this is this is a really good beer i really enjoy it it's um, solid it's not it's not super cheap i would imagine like it's not gonna be it's probably I think it's around fifteen bucks for a bottle, and it's also like it's that. a pint bottle, so it's it's a large bottle of beer. Yeah, yeah. Like that's. More I think than, it's about twenty two ounces. I think twenty two ounces. I think so. What's it say on there? Nine point four. <laughs> that's. It does look like it would be about well one pint. Oh, it's one point and nine point four yeah. ounces. Yeah, okay, right. Because <laughs> it's like that's got to be more than nine point four. Yeah. Okay, so that's like one and a half pints then. 
Yes. I don't know how much, how many ounces in a pint? 16. 16, yeah. yeah. So the math doesn't check out exactly, but close enough. <laughs> it's like a little over one and a half pints. But it, it's a really good beer. Um, I think the little bit of sweetness really helps it. Yeah. It doesn't have hardly any hoppy, bitter finish like a normal no. IPA would. Nope. Um, but it's solid. Solid yeah. beer. To go with the album we're talking about. Perfect. Which is Grateful Dead's 1970... 70. 70? Late 69, 70. I think it was... Technically, it was released in 70. 70, okay. Yeah. 1970 album, American Beauty, which is the the quintessential Dead album, would you say? Like it is... I think so. I mean, I know you kind of think they're all... You think they're well, all essential. Well, mm, that's stretching a little bit. Yeah, I don't know. For, I don't know. For 70s Dead, this is yeah. absolutely the, the pinnacle though, right? It's a great album. All around, even if you're not a Grateful Dead fan or a Deadhead or whatever, if right. you're a music fan, this is a classic album. It's probably what a lot of people use as a gateway to get into the Grateful Easily. Dead. Easily, yeah. Because um, it has a lot of their big hits like Sugar Magnolia, uh, Truckin'. Truckin'. Trucking is on that, is it? It's mm-hmm. not Working Man's Dead. No, Trucking's on here. Uh, Box of Rain. Box also. of Rain, yeah. Candy Man, Broke Down Palace, yeah. Addicts of My Life, Ripple. I mean, Ripple, it's loaded. Yeah. Loaded. Ripple is like one of the like top five jam yeah. songs. Like jam bands always cover Ripple. Yeah. Especially if they're an acoustic group. If you're an acoustic group, you have to play Ripple. There's just yes. no way around it. Absolutely. Some of the more adventurous might go into Birdsong, but just about all of yeah. them. They all know Ripple. Yeah, everybody for does. Sure. But is it the? it's not the last album with Pigpen in the group, is it? No. Working Man's Dead still has well, Pigpen. I think Working Man's. But this is close to the end of Pigpen's tenure with the group. Yeah, um, he toured up to 71, and I think 72 was pretty limited. And what kind of makes him important is that he added the blues element to like the more psychedelic folk thing that they had yes, going on. Yeah. He, was, he was kind of the one he was that blues guy there. Yeah. Um, and he was, I mean, he was technically the leader of the band. He was the man, yeah. you know. Um, and then, of course, later on, Garcia, Captain Trips. Yeah. For better, for worse. But as far as on American Beauty, he really only has one track that he that he's the lead singer on and kind of fronts. Yeah, Operator. Operator, I think. and it's really an odd track on the album. It, it doesn't necessarily flow with the album with the other songs. Not really, and it's not one that they played live a lot either. I, I don't mean, know if they ever played it live. What I find like funny about it is. Did Robert Hunter write a lot of the lyrics on this album as well? I would say probably 80% of he it. He didn't write Operator. There's no way. No. And that's... Pigpen did. Right. And that's what I was going to get at is Pigpen's style was a little more in line with what was common for the time with like Big Brother and the Holding Company and right. Jefferson Airplane and bands like that that had that, that bluesy rock edge to them. So his writing style is very basic blues rock stuff. That was his bag. And, and that's I, and that's why it kind of doesn't mix with the rest of the album. Because right. yeah. the rest of the songs are more into the psychedelic aspect with Robert Hunter's lyrics and, you know, Garcia's noodling over everything. And well, but actually stuff. this album, 
was really the first one that was more song oriented. Oh, really? Yeah, you that's, that's true. Mean, with what the first album, which was just Grateful Dead, they were trying a blues psychedelic thing right. like the Airplane and every other San Fran band at the time. But uh, and then they did uh, Anthem of the Sun, Anthem, which was that's an experiment, total, yeah, yeah experiment. So this one. They kind of went, and this was post the band, you know, music from Big Pink was out. Yeah, so true. there was somewhat of a movement, <laughs> I guess. I feel like Jerry's leanings towards folk is a little more in the forefront on this album, on yeah. American Beauty, yep. especially with like the song structure, because the way he moves in and out of chords mm-hmm. is very reminiscent of kind of the folk movement and the way they would kind of move in and out. Folk being more like Donovan style folk than yeah than like you know classic Pete Seeger folk right and that was more Jerry's roots I guess that and bluegrass yeah but it's I mean there's not a bad song on American Beauty no no I, actually every other song is Hunter yeah has a pin in it was that the first album that Hunter was was working with him on mm, I don't think so yeah. It's just the first yeah. one that sticks out in my mind yeah. as being like really. It's the first one where everything came together, yeah. you know, from it, a studio standpoint. I mean, if if you look at things as like the whole thing with bands having like a massive debut album, this would be like their big debut album. This was kind of when they, yeah. when they came to the forefront and stopped being just like a San Francisco freak folk kind of thing, freak psychedelic yeah. kind of deal. Yep. Like um, this, this was the one and trucking probably did it. Right, I mean, trucking, trucking got radio play and whatnot, didn't it? Yeah, a little bit, <laughs> as, as much as, as possible. As much, yeah. yeah. But this one, um, you know, and these songs translated great into a live setting too. Yeah, which worked perfect into their acoustic set, then electric set, and touring with new riders. And these songs, most of these songs on here, probably seventy-five percent of them would become staples for the dead for their whole career. I mean, Sugar Magnolia. Yeah. I mean, till the end, that's in it almost every set, right? There's well, not every set, but every, every show, <laughs> right. Sugar Magnolia makes an appearance somewhere in the show. Not every show, but is it, has, has there been shows they didn't play Sugar oh, Magnolia? Oh yeah. Oh, okay. Yeah. Let me, you want me to go get the dead bass? <laughs> I just, every live show I've ever heard, they did Sugar Magnolia. Yeah. Well, he, they played it a lot. Yeah. But they never played the same set twice. Well, that's true, too. Yeah. yeah. Uh, but, you know, Box Did they of Rain. really never, ever played the same set twice? Right. Yeah. Throughout all those years, they never doubled up. Never. Wow. That's impressive. Yeah. We can, I don't, well, the bar probably has a dead bass around here. So right. We yeah. Can get one. Yeah. It's right next to the phone book. They keep the dead bass right it next to it. It is the phone book. Or you-, <laughs> <laughs> um, you know, standout tracks for me personally, yeah. Truckin' is one of my all-time favorite dead tunes. Just because to see it live is incredible because it just builds and it's a great jam and the lyrics are fun, but it's also a great catalyst for them to go anywhere whether they go i've seen them go into smokestack lightning Mm -hmm. or um a number of new speedway boogie 
you know, it's very bluesy toward the end. And so then you, you creates a great jam, but why do you think there hasn't ever been a country cover of trucking or has there? I don't, uh, well, uh, yes, there has, I think Dwight Yoakam did a version on that dedicated CD. It feels like that's an untapped song for the country market because the movement in the song is very country. Oh yeah, like well, it's it's you know it's that borderline country blues kind of thing, right? But or even rockabilly a little bit. But it's you know it's that one four five chord pattern that's common to country and blues. It's just sitting there waiting, and it's got a shuffle beat built yep. in. So yeah. let us not forget Tesla's great cover of that too. <laughs> five man acoustical all, oh, jam. I don't remember that at all. Yes. Of course, most people just remember signs from that. I don't remember. That's true. I don't yeah, remember it's trucking. Overshadowed by signs. What other songs did they do on? Let's 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 start Tesla podcast now. Oh. What other songs did they do on? All right, so trucking signs. Did they do a cover of a? What's the song? The love is all around you song. No, the lighters in the air. Did, didn't they do a CCR song or something? I think I'm making that up. They surely they didn't do like Lodi or something. They did. <laughs> no, yes, they didn't. They did. Get out of here. They no, didn't I'm do serious. That. <laughs> I'm serious. Does Pub have a jukebox? I know, we can need we to get go ver- find, verification here. Can we here? go get some Tesla on the jukebox yeah. doing Lodi? Yes. Oh, Jesus. What overtook yeah. them to try that? Did it work? Was it good? At the time, I remember the album being okay. I remember it being pretty I mean, good, but I was like, you know, they well, kind seven, of eight got. I, to it, so I can't remember. I can't remember much about it at all. They were thrown into that hair metal, heavy metal. They were better thing. than that. I'll give them. They, they were, were a little they bit were better, they, than and that. you know, they were kind of like you'll laugh. Cinderella in that aspect. Cinderella was a little bit better <laughs> than your basic hair band. You got choked up. Sorry. When you said they were like Cinderella, Gypsy Road just started ringing exactly. through my head. Nothing but a blues song. Yeah, you know, really I mean. Is. Yeah. Cinderella got mislabeled a little bit. They they looked the part of hair metal and they had like nobody's fool. And that's very hair metal. Well, they listened to John Bon Jovi on the first album. Yeah. And then after that, they were like. But they were a good group. They really weren't a bad group. And Tesla yeah. wasn't a bad group either. I mean, as far as you know, musically speaking, they weren't. Right. They weren't the the California hair metal scene, really. They didn't. No. They were a little different than that. And honestly, they had one of the better names for an album too. Bust a nut. <laughs> right, they were balls to the wall, right? right? Exactly. It's awful. Oh man, let me uh, let me take a look at that album real quick. The Grateful Dead, not. I know you don't have Tesla. On yeah, no, we left that one back at the house. That's the, the other big thing about, uh, and you can probably tell me who did the art for it, but the cover on American Beauty is very like that's kind of the seventies. Like just that cover looks right. like the seventies. Yeah. yeah, you have that uh, that wood type grain background. Was, this, was it the first time that the rose became like a symbol for the dead? You think? Honestly, it probably was when that. That started because that became a huge, a huge yeah. thing. Everything was the roses, yeah. you know. Like yep, all the skeletons had roses in their uh-huh. skulls, and and then deal. soon, you know, they wrote that. Hunter wrote the lyrics to it "Must Have Been the Roses," and um, but yeah, m- most of the covers up to that point had been a little bit more psychedelic. So, so Weir gets a writing qu- credit for "Sugar Magnolia." Mm-hmm. 
that's I mean that's the big writing yeah, yeah big that's writing his credit on there. Signature tune. Estimated profit, that's not a signature tune. <laughs> well if you that's take that's a signature tune to me. Yeah, right. If you take a poll, everybody knows Sugar Magnolia. <laughs> not everybody knows estimated profit. Right. That's not, they should. One. They should, yes. Uh trucking would be his other tune. Yeah, that now let me ask you this. So Truckin has writing credits from everyone except Pig Pen. Like Hunter, Garcia, Lesh, and Weir. No Mickey Hart either, but Mickey wasn't in the band at the time. Was he I not? I think. Yeah, no, he was here. Was he here? Yeah, it shows he him was, on percussion. Yeah. But Kreutzmann's on That's right. Seventy one is when he left. Yeah. With the whole thing with his dad and Oh yeah. That craziness. Yeah, his dad was the manager of the dead and Okay embezzled money oh, from that's the dead. Terrible. Yeah. Yeah, it was pretty I like how they I like how Robert Hunter is listed in the dead as well though. That's yeah. that's pretty awesome. Yeah. As like the songwriter. Like right. his his instrument he plays as songwriter. That's a mighty pin. Yeah. Oh yeah he's the best. He's yeah. one of the best. Yeah. As far as, you know to say, telling I saw a story him through song. At the Bell Court. Oh yeah? In Nashville in like O two, I think. And that was just like that was the holy grail to see. Did you get to talk Hunter. to him? No, no, no. That sucks. But to see him perform these songs that I've listened to, seen the dead play over the years, you know, the the originator yeah. there to perform them, and then seeing him at the Americana Awards when he got inducted in the Hall of Fame for songwriting, but he played Ripple by himself, which was awesome. So it says. It says Friend of the Devil is Hunter Garcia and Dawson. Who's Dawson? John Dawson, who was in New Riders, I think. Okay. That would make sense at the time. I think Jerry was was New New Riders. Riders. Was Jerry an actual member of New Riders? I don't know if he was an actual member, but he played and recorded with them. Yeah, I forgot Friend of the Devil was on here as well. Yeah, I I mean, it's loaded. I mean, every every song is absolutely essential. Yeah. Except for Candyman. I mean, not Candyman, but Operator. Operator is the only one that I'll say is not absolutely essential. Yeah. But that's it. Yeah. Out of every single song in there, and that's that's pretty impressive. Is that a five star album? Uh because no, you're not. I, I can't I can't give it five star just for Operator. Honestly, in, oh. in my book. Now let me take a look at Working Man's Dead over there, and I'll tell you if that's a five star album yeah. for me. Because it might very well be. Uh, boy, that's this one's even tougher for me. Because Working Man's Dead was the follow-up to American Beauty, right? Yeah. And those two back-to-back are just I don't, incredible. I don't know if they ever did two better albums back-to-back. Nah, I, I mean, the studio was always I don't know if they did two better albums, in my opinion. a tough place for them. The studio was hard. Uh, Wake of the Flood is solid. Yeah, me. it's it's good. You know. But like for me personally, I, yeah. American Beauty and Working Man is hard for me to for studio albums. It's These hard are to up me. there. That Wake of the Flood, honestly, in the dark. I know it's got Touch of Grey on it, but those songs on there it's also are really got Hell good. In a Bucket, which was a yeah. really cool jam too. Throwing Stones, Black Muddy River. Yeah, that's a good album too. The only thing on Working Man's Dead that might keep it from a five star. 
Ah, oh, man, I, I do like New Speedway Boogie a lot, oh, though. Oh, hell yeah. But it, it never really was my thing on this album. I like the slower songs a lot better. Like, I liked High Time so much. Yeah, High Time's good. Dire Wolf I liked a lot. I probably didn't like it as well as the Reckoning version. The version of Reckoning I liked better yeah. than this one. If you throw New Speedway Boogie on yeah. American Beauty. Five star. It's Five like, star. It's you like got... six stars. <laughs> <laughs> it's off the, off the chain. Um, but Working Man's Dead, I mean, it's basically American Beauty Part 2. But it's more countryfied, more right. Americana. I feel like they took the 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 slower and more acoustic driven songs during the American Beauty sessions and put them on Working Man's Dead. Yeah. With the exception of just a few on like Friend of the Devil and and Ripple on American Beauty. Outside of that, I thought I feel like those two could fit on Working Man's Dead so much better almost True. than American yeah. Beauty. Yep. But the one big difference in my mind is that American Beauty is a lot more processed and polished than working man's dead true yeah working man's dead is more like a dude sitting in a studio with an acoustic guitar they traded the psychedelics for moonshine yeah basically you know that's a good way to put it yeah but uncle john's band and like you said high time yeah uh isn't casey jones yeah casey jones is on here too um it's almost you could take casey jones put it on american beauty and put always, Ripple on here. Yeah, I always felt like they were on the same album. And that's yeah. probably just because they sound to be in the same vein. Like Truckin' and Casey Jones, to me, those two always kind of fit together. Yeah. I, they just felt like they should be on the same album. And that might be because like that Skeletons in the Closet might have them back-to-back. And <laughs> the, the greatest hits right. album that yeah. every single kid in high school has. I mean, I don't know if they still have it, but every kid that I knew in high school right. had Skeletons yeah. in the Closet. Yes, if you didn't have any other dead albums, you had skeletons. You had in the skeletons, yep. and it was right next to Steve Miller Band's greatest hits and Jimmy Buffett's right. greatest hits and songs you know and love by heart. That's right. Now, the one way I differed in high school because of, or actually middle school because of intervention from our mutual friend Blake Lane, was he gave me a tape of something to listen to, and from that tape, it was like early, early dead stuff. I went out and bought Bear's Choice. Which was a very impulsive buy. Jump in I, deep. Yeah, I had no idea right. what I was getting into because the band on American Beauty is not the band on Bear's Choice. No. How'd you like that 18-minute smokestack lightning on there? I remember really liking it, to be honest. <laughs> yeah. Oh, it's solid. I really hadn't gotten into blues yet, but, so that was kind of like a foray into yeah. that style of blues. Um, it wasn't long after that that I got the chess box set on CD, so it was that was over yeah. for blues. Then, like I, I yeah. had all the blues I needed from that. Right. But I remember really liking Bear's Choice, like really enjoying it. It's solid. Weird collection of tunes. <laughs> it's really weird. Katie, Katie May, and yeah, it's Wake Up Little Susie on there. Yeah, yeah. It's all the really early stuff. Like it's a, it's a compilation of early. It's all earlier than American Beauty, as far as I can remember. Does that not sound right? I don't know. I think a lot of that was taken from the Fillmore East or West uh, acoustic show. Like when they do, when they were touring with new writers, when they would open up with an acoustic set. Right. And then play electric and then new writers would come out or whatever. Um, was there ever a volume two? No. Yeah. 
Because no. I just remember the volume one. So, yeah, Wake Up Little Susie. Black Peter's on there, so it had to have been after yeah. Working Man. I think that's. I think it was the Fillmore. I'll tell you why I bought it. It was because I was a Black Crows fan at the time as well, and I saw Hard to Handle. And I was like, <laughs> oh, shit, they didn't write that? So then I got the Dead's oh. version of it, which was not that great. But then from that version, I found like six other versions of Hard to Handle. I was like, wait, my whole life has changed now because Black Crows didn't write Hard to Handle. Because I thought they did. Yeah. I was naive. I was a kid. Now you know. I thought they wrote everything on Shake Your Money Maker, but I didn't know they were ripping off their own stones through half of it. Right. Yeah. All of it. Jealous again. (laughs) Come on. Yes. So, American Beauty... It's must have for everyone's record collection, yeah, right? I mean, I, it is. And, you know, for the person out there that's like, I don't like the dead. Mm-hmm. I hate the dead. I hate deadheads. A new one as a neighbor, what, you know, whatever you know about the Grateful Dead, you know, if it's just hippies, whatever, from a music standpoint, buy this album. Yeah, that breaks through the hippie shit. It does. Like, it's just, it's full of great songs. Yeah, that album does not reek of patchouli, no. in my opinion. No. Like it, it's a standout. Yeah, to me, it's it's the most accessible and also the best studio album they did. I mean, it's a toss up between that and Working Man's Dead, but I'm gonna say yeah. I'll probably like American I mean, Beauty a little bit better just because it's more polished. Right. But to yeah. me, it's the most accessible and it's the best album of their studio releases. Yeah. It's definitely now we get into live shows. It's all out the window. And yeah, can that's debate that stuff. That's for, a whole another. Yeah, that's a whole another thing. Which, if you like American Beauty, if you listen to it, if you listen to the podcast and you've never heard American Beauty before, you go out and you hear it. Give me, give me a live show that they could follow it up with to oh, get wow. even deeper into it. Like, what's what's a show that showcases Sugar Magnolia or Trucking or Friend of the Devil? Europe seventy two is really big. good. It's big. It's really good. I was just listening to that the other day. And it's, those songs are on there. Mm-hmm. Um, and honestly, Without a Net is pretty good, even though that's newer dead. Mm-hmm. That's your eighty late 80s dead. But at that point when they captured the music for that album, they were really on a musical peak at that yeah, time. Yeah, I'll put, I'll put my vote in for Europe 72. Yeah, Europe 72, hands down. Don't buy Steal Your Face. You know that album? The double album? Yeah. 